surprised y'all came back. That's good after hearing me last week. I'm glad you came back. And um, I know you're excited about uh, your pastors coming home. They'll be back on Thursday. And I think, is that, okay, is that okay to say that? If it's not, it's too late now. Uh, but they'll be back this week. And I assume they'll be back here next Sunday. And so I know you want to get on the phone, get all your friends and family and people together so we can welcome them back. And I told, I had the opportunity last weekend again this week to meet with some of your leadership and, and to talk to them. And um, one of the things I shared with them, I said, you know, coming off a, off a, a sabbatical, I've been on several over the course of my year. I've only really took one uh, because I chose to. I planned for it and chose to. I've taken two sabbaticals because I've almost died. And if I didn't take a break and get myself healed up, uh, I, I, I wasn't going to make it. But God was gracious. But in each of those, every, every time I've taken those breaks in my life over the course of my ministry, it is in, invariable that God sp spoke to me personally because a part of sabbatical and the reason it's so important is as a pastor, you, you live from Sunday to Sunday. And if you're not careful, and this is a trap that I don't know of a pastor that has not fallen into it. Some of them have never gotten out of it. They stay in it. They live their life from Sunday to Sunday preparing a sermon. That pressure is constantly on them, thinking about what they're going to share, how they're going to do it. And yet, with, then with all of the other things that goes with pastoring and leading a group of people, uh, there's just a lot of stuff that could go on inside your head. And eventually... You, you get tired, you get weary, and you need to be refreshed. And uh, I think it's, I, if Jesus did it, and, and he's the son of God, I don't know who in the world we think we are that we don't need it. And I don't think it's just uh, for pastors. I think everybody. In fact, Israel built it into, God built it into their economy of life. That, you know, every seven years there was a cycle that they, they would go through. And every 49th and 50th year, they took two years off. How many of you would love to do that? I mean, that would be like, praise God. And, and, but, you know, we're getting to do it. It's called COVID, and that's not any fun because we're not getting to really enjoy it and, and get out and do some things. But it's been somewhat that way. But I think in the, in the midst of all of it, um, God is faithful and I believe that your pastor is going to come back with fresh revelation. I believe he and Pastor Holly will come back strengthened, encouraged, ready to see you, ready to be with you, ready to get in here and run and, and get going. I'm, I can't wait to hear what God has said to them, has shown them. And all I can say to you is uh, you might want to pack your dinner next week because um, Pastor uh, Dallas might go for two, three, four hours. I don't know. He might have a lot to say. You never know. But seriously, I know he's going to come back refreshed, renewed, and ready to go. Well, thank you so much for allowing me to be here again this Sunday. It has been a joy to be with. What a great handoff we just made. We could run a relay together and everything. I did that when I was in school and college. I ran track, so you know, that passing that baton at the right time. Uh, but seriously, it was great to be with you last week and, and looked forward to coming back again this week and being with you. This morning, again, I say, as I shared earlier, I met with a group of your leaders. What an awesome time we had together. Hopefully I said some things to encourage them. But I want to share a word with you. Last Sunday morning when I was preaching on victor or victimization, are you going to be a victor? Are you going to live your life in victory? Are you going to live under the victimized or victimization mindset? And we have to choose that because we make the choice. We have to make choices, and that's part of the choices in life that we have to make. And while I was sharing that and talking to that, how many of you remember the, I, would, I hate to call it a formula, but the, but the pattern for, um, for experiencing or, and, and receiving what God wants? You see it, you say it, and you seize it. And it's a simple process that faith walks out. As I was sharing that, unbeknown to you, uh, I was there on that Sunday, that, that Thursday before, I, I taped, because we're still online at home, I taped this Sunday, today's, I taped for, for this Sunday, a, a week and a half, 10 days prior, because uh, I knew that I was going to be real busy this week in between the two assignments and what I'm doing at home, so I said, let me do it early, and I did, preach that message. While I'm preaching that message up here to you, because I knew what I had was 
going, I had shared, God was speaking to me. Now, how many of you understand that? Have you ever been talking before, and while you're saying something, something else is coming into your mind, to your spirit, and it's like you almost want to hurry up and say what you're saying because you want to release that. Because it's just, man, it's just like, wow, God just spoke to my heart, and I feel that, I sense that. And that's what was going on with me on several times. It, it was about the message I was, that I'd shared already, had already taped for today. And so when I got home on Monday, I called the media department. I said, I'm going to need to redo that message. And so we worked it out so I could come in on Thursday again and do it because what I didn't realize is how much it intertwined last week with this week. It wasn't something that I sat down and necessarily planned out. I, I wish I could tell you that, that I'm that smart and, I, and I've got it together that much, but I really can't say that. In reality, it was just a God thing. God began to move in the message last week that spoke to me about the message that was supposed to be for this Sunday that I had to go back and redo it. And so I'm sharing that with you today. I want to talk to you out of my heart about something that I honestly feel every single person in this room right now is battling for hope, H-O-P-E. We're holding on. You know, I don't know when, when COVID struck and everything happened, you know, in my mind, I thought if, if, if we're out for a month, that will be it. There's no way we'll get past a month or two or six weeks and it, they, the, the, the country will fall apart and, you know, my, 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 my dog will run away and, you know, my cats won't come to my mom's house and it's just going to be miserable. But little did I know that a month would turn into two, that would turn into three, that would turn into four, turn into five, and now we're approaching month number six. And we're not finished with it yet. We still have a, a ways to go until we find out how to navigate this as a nation and as a people. It's affected churches all over this country. There is no church virtually. I'm sure there may be some somewhere, but they are so isolated and so minuscule in number that they're really not even noticeable that has not been affected. Almost every church to some degree has been affected. Most have been affected negatively to some degree. There are a few. There's been a few bright spots along the way and some things have happened and that's wonderful and that's good. But most of them have been, been affected negatively. And what I have found in talking to pastors over the last several months especially, when they realized this thing was going to drag out, is I, I can hear in their voices there was, this, there was this grasping for, this grappling for hope. How can I hang on? How can I keep a good attitude? How can I get my people to stay positive and, and not give up? How can I keep the folks in tune with church and, and realize that this is just temporary? We're not always going to be like that. But yet it seems to grind on and on and on. And then you listen to what's going on on the news and everything around us in society. And you're wondering, this thing has gone from bad to worse to terrible. And it's still not finished yet. And the churches around America are being challenged. We're being put in places that we've never been before. I'm talking to these guys and I'm telling you, I'm sorry, I don't have the answer. I'm going through this like you. I've never been here before. I've never gone down this road before. I don't have answers. I'm searching, I'm praying, I'm looking. And I found myself growing weary and growing tired. I found myself wondering, God, what is going on? Why is this happening? When is the end going to come? When are we going to see a shift? When are we going to find our new normal so we can all get excited about it and, and push forward? And I keep hearing the Lord, just, just, just follow me. Just follow me. And I believe in all of this, God is saying to us as the church, I am allowing your, you to reassess yourself. I am allowing you to look at what is really important and what is not important. What needs to fall to the wayside, you've propped it up, it's time to go ahead and let it go. And I want you to realize going forward, there's going to be some new emphasis in the church. In fact, I shared with you last week, I think I did. If not, I'll remind you of it or say it to you again. Holy Spirit spoke to me several weeks ago, and he said, you're going to have to go ancient to go new. And I thought, what in the world does that mean? You're going to have to go ancient to go new. 
It's not going back to the red back hymn. It's not going back to singing I'll Fly Away. It's not going back to dressing like we used to dress or having church the way we used to have it. It is about going back to the beginning, rediscovering how the church and why the church was birthed and why by the end of Paul's life, when he got to Rome, the Caesar said of him, so it's you and your men, your followers, those that are following the way called Christ, our Christianity, you have turned the world up upside down how'd they get there what did they do they didn't have anything that we have they didn't have the technology they didn't have the transportational means that we do they had none of that but they learned what it meant to be community they learned what it meant to be church not just in the building but church in the home church at the workplace church in the community Church in their neighborhood, they learn how to do what, what Tracy was talking about earlier. Learn how to follow God for yourself. And the church exploded. The known world had been impacted. By the end of the Apostle Paul's life, the known world had been impacted by Jesus Christ and his message of hope. Hope. We're struggling, we're fighting for it. There's a, there's a quote I want to share with you. Actually, my son said it, and it has, been, it has been powerful for me. It hit me like, I mean, right, right between the eyes. I, I want you to listen to this. Say transformation. Transformation happens when we are not in control. Let that sink in for a moment. When you're not in control, God can change things. When we're not in control, Holy Spirit can change and direct things. But as long as we are making the decisions, as long as we are deciding, as long as we are holding the reins and we're not trusting God with it, God will let us lead and do what we do the way that we do. And we're going to have to expend the energy to keep up what we've done, what we've started. But when we let loose of that, and that's scary for some people because some of y'all in this room are control freaks. I mean, y'all are control freaks. In fact, the truth be known, every single one of us in some area of our life, we are control freaks. Guys sit there with the remote control. They can be sound asleep, and you get the control, and you change a channel, and all of a sudden they wake up. You walk into your wife's kitchen and you want to do something your way and all of a sudden she steps in and huffs and puffs and pushes you out of the way. This is my kitchen and this is how I do it. And it's like okie dokie. It's control. Transformation takes place when we're out of control. When we release control. I want you to let that sink in because this message on hope, I'm going to be quick with it. But I want to set it up so the things that I say to you can sink in. Hope is missing in our world. I've done just enough traveling over the last month, six weeks, that wherever I'm going, I'm seeing this look on people's faces almost like, uh, well, you guys might understand this, a deer looking at headlights. Just this gaze, kind of glazed over look like, I don't know where I'm at. I don't recognize this world that I'm in. I don't recognize what's going on. I don't understand. I walk into a restaurant and it feels weird. It's almost like it's dead. The vibrancy and the happiness and the joy of, of, of sharing a meal together. You know, we got, we got to wear a mask when we go in there. If you get up, you got to go to the bathroom. You got to put the mask back on again. It's just a weird place, and it's not finished yet. Look at me. What I'm about to say to you is worth everything me coming up here for. You better not waste this. This is a moment in time when you can rediscover yourself and your faith in God at a level you've never known before. Because I believe this with all my heart. What is in front of us? If we don't learn how to navigate this with faith and hope, we're going to be in trouble. I honestly believe that things may not get a lot better for the church. It may become more difficult. We may, for the first time in this nation, find ourselves really being tested 
and, and the faith, Christianity, under attack. It is in some regard, but it could, I'm telling you, it can get bad and worse quick. We've got to hold on to hope. Say hope. Let me talk to you about it. Hebrews 11.1, 1, you know the verse. It says, now faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. I love that because it pairs hope and faith together. See, hope can't work without faith, and faith can't be what it is without hope. They're like the hand and the glove. They go together. Where you see one operating successfully, you're going to find the other. It's just inevitable that they're going to be connected because, again, the writer says, now faith is the substance. Faith is the substance. In other words, faith is what comes from hope. Faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not yet seen. Hope has a knowing. In fact, let me give you some definitions. Faith, let me say this, faith is our ability to see and to believe and receive what has not yet been manifested. That's, what, that's my definition of faith. That's my biblical definition of faith. It's, it's our ability to see and to believe and to receive what has not yet been manifested, whereas hope is the soil that the seed of faith is planted in. Faith must have something to come from and to derive its, its nutrient from, its strength from, its, 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 its stamina from. And it comes from hope. Faith is a seed dropped into the soil of hope. And when that soil begins to enrich that seed, that seed begins to produce what it was designed to produce. And that's what faith does. Faith begins to produce in you what God designed you to be and to do. But it comes from being planted in the soil of hope. Hope is a confident expectation or our confident expectancy of our desired future state. It's a confidence. Hope is confidence. Hope is knowing that I know that I know. Hope is knowing that no matter what I see, no matter what I'm going through, no matter what I'm feeling, I know that I know that I know. That no matter what people say, no matter what circumstances are, hope knows. And then faith reacts to that. Faith receives energy from that. And faith begins to see what hope says it knows by faith. Hope says, I know that my, that my Redeemer lives. And faith begins to see that. Hope says, I know that God is the healer. He is Jehovah Rophe. And faith begins to see that. Something happens. When faith is united with hope, and hope has an expression through faith. Romans 5 and 5, and I love this verse of Scripture. It says, now, now, now where there is hope, our hope does not, now hope does not disappoint because the love of God. Say the love of God. Listen, this is where hope comes from. I'm about to tell you where, now where does hope come from? If faith comes out of hope, then where does, where does, where does, where does hope come from? Paul tells us, now hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. Listen to this. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 13, 13, now these three abide, faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of these is love. In other words, out of love, hope derives its strength. Hope derives its ability to be able to know that it knows, and it in, in it in it. And it, it fertilizes and it gives a nutrient to the seed of faith. And it causes faith to dare to stand up and say what it believes and, and declare what it knows. And it, it, it gives eyes, it gives ears, it gives steps. It gives, it gives the, the ability to believe. But it comes from love. See, love is critical in this. We want to be great faith people. And I've been around some great faith, faith people. And I've been around some faith people that are jerks. They just strut around like spiritual peacocks. I'm in faith. And you know, they awesome. But I don't want to be around you. I want to see Jesus. I want to see Jesus. Did you know, listen... If you're a great person of faith, did, did you know that Jesus was the greatest person of faith that walked on the face of the earth? And did you know that crazy people liked him? Lost people were drawn to him? Hurting people ran to him? Sick people turned to him? 
How many crazy, hurting, sick, dying people are trying to find you? Because you're a person of faith. Now, we talk about our faith. We talk about our faith, and praise God for it. But it's got to be more than that. It's got to find its source. If it doesn't operate from love, if hope and faith doesn't operate from love, it's not hope and faith. It's just your thinking, just your mind only. Totally disconnect from that renewed spirit, man, that is empowered by the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is a gentleman and a lady. He knows how to operate and say, lady, because God said, let's make man and woman in our image. So I don't understand all that. I tried to understand it. Freaked me out. That's left it alone. I just said, God, you know all that. You figure it out. All I know is this. My Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And I pray and I believe, but what I'm saying to you is simply this. You and I have got to operate from the platform of faith. You see, hope deferred, the writer of Proverbs says, makes the heart sick. But when the desire comes, it's a tree of life. Look at me. There were two trees in the garden. The tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. If you ate from the tree of life, you live forever. It brings life. That's where the life flow of the Holy Spirit, where, where, where God is. That's, that's what he wants us to eat from, is the tree of life. If you, eat of the, if you eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, that's where knowledge comes from. And if you only have knowledge, and all you do is just have a, what you, I've been, you've been around people, they've got their faith all worked out. I mean, they can, they can spat it off like that, just, I mean, like a, like a stinking machine gun. But they don't got no love in them. They're hollow. They argue over a gnat. I mean, who cares about some things that we are? I don't know. Do you get baptized in water, under the water, get water poured on you? I don't care. Just get baptized. I baptize guys in jail that can't get out of jail. I can't, I, I can't dunk them, but give me a 7-Eleven big gulp and I'll pour water on them. We argue over some of the stupidest things. Paul told Timothy, the wrangling of words. It just divides us. i got to move along. I'm, I'm visiting too long. Let me say this to you. With so many of us struggling today to hold on to our faith, this is a statement that I wrote down. With so many of us struggling today to hold on to our faith, our confidence and our confidence in what God's Word says and promises, we must remind ourselves that God's Word never lies and never loses. Why is that so important? And I'm going to move quick. If you can't trust the Word that either you've got on your phone or you've got on a pad or you're a book that you're holding in your hand, if you can't trust that, you're in trouble. Because unless I go out and get our own book, let's get an encyclopedia, then let's just believe that. If this is not the inerrant word of God that we can build our lives upon and stand, then we, we're, we are in trouble. But I'm here to tell you the word of God does not lie and it never loses. The word of God is truth. In fact, the word of God says, let every man be a liar, but God be the truth. It was the, it was the, it was the disciple Jude who wrote that little book right before the book of Revelation. And in the third chapter right there, he was writing to a group of believers who were struggling. Their faith was being attacked. They were under assault by the Roman government and other people around them. And he wrote and he said to them in Jude number three, he said, beloved, while I was very diligent to write to you concerning our common salvation, I found it necessary to write to you, or, or, or write to you exhorting you to contend, say contend, contend earnestly for the faith which was once for all delivered to the saints. Skipping down to the bottom of that list of verses right there, Paul writes to young Timothy. And in 1 Timothy chapter 6 and 12, he says, Timothy, I want you to fight the good fight of faith. 
I want you to lay hold of eternal life to which you were also called and have confessed the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. Jude says, I want you to contend. You need to fight for the truth. That doesn't mean fight one another. It doesn't mean to get in a fight in groups, but rather it means to stand in love and be able to defend the word. And regardless of what comes and what goes in life, you are standing there confident in. You have your hope built in him. You're not built on some sand, some ritual, some crazy thing over here, over there. But you're built your life and you build your life on what thus says the Lord. And when hell comes against you, you raise up a standard. You raise up a banner of faith. And you stand there flat-footed. Oh, uncompromising. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. That's our faith. Jesus is the Son of God, born of the Virgin Mary. It's faith. He died to save us. His blood cleanses us. His cross frees us. His grave empowers us. His Holy Spirit strengthens us. That's my faith. I'm not going to argue with you over how long is too long and how short is too short. I don't have time to argue over things that has nothing to do. You're not going to stand before God and He's going to ask you how long was long and how short was short before you come to heaven. He's going to look at you and say, what did you do with my son? That's it right there. What you believe about Jesus. What you know about Jesus. That's what we need to major on. And that's what the faith is. And my faith never loses and never lies. I can believe and I can trust it all the way. But faith doesn't do just that. Faith also declares. When I say faith declares, that means that faith, listen to this, hope has a voice and its name is faith. In order for hope to be expressed, it must have a voice and that voice is faith. Faith speaks. Amen? Faith speaks. Faith declares. Hope has a voice and its voice is called faith. And faith speaks. Faith says what it sees. Remember, that's what faith does. It's not good enough to just, just see it. You got to say it also. You got to talk about what you see. You got to declare what you see. You got you to act on what you say you see so you can seize it and live in it. Amen? That's the process God wants to lead us in, and I believe He's leading us in that. There's an interesting thought that God gave me when I was thinking about this. That, that hope has a voice and it's, it's faith. And I thought, now, how do I explain that? How do I get that out of the box so it can be understandable? If you don't mind, go back. It's not in, in my notes there. Sorry, guys. It's one of those things that came later. Because um, I was asking the question to myself, how do I do this? Turn to the book of beginnings, the book of Genesis. Go there real quick. It's in Genesis chapter, chapter 1. Everybody know where the Genesis is in the Bible? Go to the table of contents and um, come on. Siri, I don't want to talk to you. There we are. And I want you to listen to this in light of what I've just said about hope having a voice that is called faith. And that we are called to declare our faith, our confidence. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And the earth was without form and void. And darkness was on the face of the deep. And the Spirit of the Lord was hovering. I looked that word up. You know what hover means right here? What it really means? It means to vibrate. It's literally shaking with anticipation, almost like, if I can use the expression without being base, it's like a woman about to give birth. She's just shaking. Everything inside of her is shaking so that baby will be pushed out finally. He was hovering, brooding over, over the face of the waters. Listen to this. Listen to this. Then God said, say God said. No, say, say, say God said. Let there be light. 
and there was light. Now, who said what? God said. God said, let there be. God said, let there be light. I believe in the midst of all of the chaos and all of the darkness and all of the craziness that's going on in our world, today, the church's finest hour could be right here, right now, if we, through hope, by faith, begin to speak and to declare what thus says the Lord. If you don't know what to say, find out what God's word says and say that. Be able to give an answer to someone that asks of you. That is our hope. That is our faith. And faith has a voice. And it must speak. In order for faith to operate, it's got to declare. It's got to speak out. And I want to encourage you this morning or this afternoon. I want to encourage you. Get a voice to your faith. Don't be embarrassed. Don't be afraid. I don't mean be a jerk or be an idiot or be crazy or be one of those that just draws all the attention. I've seen some people who are, they're nothing more than just weird. They want everybody to look at them and somehow they think they're being spiritual. Jesus was not weird. He was not weird. He was not crazy. People were drawn to him. And I know you might think, well, you need to listen to what you're saying to yourself. Jesus wasn't loud either. He didn't have to holler. And I know I holler a lot, but that's just me. That's how he wired me. And if you don't like it, talk to him. But Jesus wasn't, he didn't have to be verbose and loud. He was confident. He knew the word. He knew his father. He knew what the word said. They would ask him a question, and he would say, it is written. Some of, the best, some of the best answers you can give to people in life is to share with them what God's Word says. But if you don't read God's Word, you're not going to know what's in God's Word. Or you start making stuff up. Because you read a verse over here and a verse over there, and you tried to put them together, and you didn't rightly divide the Word of God. So now we're going to tell people, Go outside and hang yourself. Because that's what Judas did. Well, what kind of encouragement is that? That's not encouragement. That's crazy. People take verses of Scripture out of context all the time. You know, these weird doctrines floating around because people take verses out of context. Let the Scripture interpret Scripture. That's how you interpret the Bible. I've got commentaries, I've got lexicons, I've got a Greek word study, I've got a Hebrew word study, I've studied all that, I know that, I know how to use it, know how to make it work, but at the end of the day, Scripture must interpret Scripture. It doesn't matter what one Greek theologian says or another Greek theologian says, it's what does God's Word say, and let it speak for itself. Your faith must have a voice. If you're going to contend earnestly for the faith, it's going to be also because you have a voice and you're going to have to declare. Faith declares. Now let's talk about it from this perspective and I want to move on and come to a close. Give me about five minutes. Can I have five minutes? Five minutes, good. In fact, how, how long am I supposed to go? Is it just go? I, I love y'all. I'm going to come back. Because most everywhere else I go, they just, you, you got 25 minutes and if you don't stop, we turn the microphone off. So... Every, and I'm not going to say some of y'all said, oh, my God, he's going to be here all day. No, I promise I won't. Just a couple of more things I want to say to you, then I'll close. How many of you have ever been put to a test in your faith where everything around you was telling you it's not going to work, but something inside of you was saying, hold on, don't stop believing, keep declaring this is going to work out. Amen? Probably if you've, if you've served the Lord for any length of time at all, you've been there in your faith walk. Jesus said it this way. I love how he approached the believers in, in, in Mark's gospel, Mark 11, 22, 23, and 24. But, but listen to what he says. Jesus answered, and he said to them, have faith in God. For assuredly I say to you, notice this now, notice the words. These are not my words. They're in red. Say they're in red. So it said, that's, that's, this is what Jesus said. This is not my opinion. And this is not a yeah, but. This is what Jesus said. 
So I don't need your commentary on it. You don't need my commentary on it. Listen to what he says. You can believe what he says. He says, for surely I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, now what in the world is a mountain? Mountain is anything that stands between you and, and the fulfillment of God's desire, plan, or dream for you. God's will for you. God's destiny for you. Whatever that mountain is. Say to this mountain, whoever says to this mountain, say, say speak. Say speak. Say declare. Remember, hope has a voice, and it's called faith. And Jesus says, have faith in God. And if you have faith in God, you can say to this mountain, whatever it is, mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea. And does not doubt in his heart, but believes those things that he says will be done. He will have whatever he says. Therefore, I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe. Now, let's just here is one thing you need to understand. The word believe right there is written in the continuous tense, which means believe and keep on believing. Believe and keep on believing. Even though it's not manifesting right now, keep on declaring, keep on believing. Keep on believing. If you will believe, if I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them. Now again, let scripture interpret scripture. Because some of y'all say, oh, I can have whatever I want. Bless God, I want me a red Cadillac. Nothing wrong with a red Cadillac. I like red Cadillacs. If you got one, I want to ride in it with you. But this is not about you. This is not about fulfilling your fanciful desires. Although God is not against you having a nice car, living in a nice home. If you got a pool in the ground, swim in it. If you got a pool above the ground, swim in it. If you ain't got a pool, get a water hose. Just have fun. Praise the Lord you have it. God's blessed you. Great. That's awesome. He's not against that. You want to order a steak instead of eating bologna all the time? Go, go get a steak. It's all right. You're not more holy than I am because you eat bologna and I eat steak. Or because I, I, I drive a, my wife has a black Mercedes and, and you're driving something else. I'm, I'm better than you. That's stupid. That's not what any of this is about. It's about having faith in God to believe for the purposes for which God designed you and the things for which God wants you to do in this earth to affect the kingdom. Let Scripture interpret Scripture. 1 John 5 and 14, listen to what the writer says there. He says that, now this is the confidence, here again, there's hope, confidence, that we have in him that if we ask anything according to his will. What is his will? His word. You don't have to ask God, if it be your will, heal me. No, God wants to heal you. But how God heals you is his business. We want to tell God how to do it. And God will heal you. I believe with all my heart, God will heal you. He, he may send you to a doctor and medicine and surgery. He may cause you to change your diet. Some of y'all need to quit eating hostess ding-dongs at midnight. Your, your blood pressure will go down if you quit putting the extra pound of butter on everything you eat. Diet, discipline, get up off the couch and walk. Exercise, move a little bit, push the plate away. You don't need the fourth helping. Discipline. Come on, I'm talking about how God heals. God heals through doctors. God heals divinely, a miracle. How many of you ever had a miracle? I've had a miracle. God's healed me instantly. I've had that, and I've had to go through the, I've, but I've also had open heart surgery. The same God that healed me of ulcerative colitis, why didn't he heal me of my heart problem? I had surgery. Because God said, I'm going to use a doctor. I'm going to use a doctor because there's some things that you need to do and I want to do and you can't understand right now, but just know this, Jim, I'm going to heal you. Doctors, divine, diet, discipline. And then there's death. Did you know that we're all going to die? And then some of you are, oh, man. God, oh, no. That's not... Oh, no, that's the ultimate healing. That's when you've left this world and gone to the next. No, cancer doesn't take you. God just moved you. That car accident didn't kill you. God just took you. 
Death is just is the, is the door that leads from this life to the next. All of us will have to walk through it. Unless the Lord returns before, then every single one of us sitting in this room are going to die. I know some of y'all don't want to hear that, but it's going to happen. How you live your life here determines where you spend your eternity there. Make the decision. I'm going to fight for my faith. I'm going to hang on, hold on. I'm going to declare the truth. And then lastly, and I close with this, faith has a perspective. There's a verse of scripture that is extremely powerful, but I just want to close with it because I think it speaks probably best to what I want to say. And yeah, musicians, if you guys would come and help me because if you don't get up here, I take that as I can keep on talking. So let's get up here and help me. Faith is hope's perspective. Hope has a perspective. You have a perspective. Paul says in first, uh, 2 Corinthians verses, chapter 4, verse 8 and 9, I want you to listen to this. We are hard-pressed on every side, yet not crushed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. We are persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. If that doesn't sound like COVID to me, and where we're at as a people, as a church, as a nation. I mean, I'm hard-pressed on everywhere I turn. There's pressure right now. The only place that I don't feel and find undue pressure is in the presence of God. I have found myself running to his presence in the middle of traffic. I found myself running to his presence in the middle of the chaos and all the anger and the hatred and the bigotry and the malice that I see on television. I'm hard pressed everywhere I turn, yet I'm not crushed. I'm still here. Dell, I'm still here. There was a time a few, few weeks ago, I didn't know if I was gonna make it. My wife was struggling. I felt as helpless as I've ever felt in my, in my life. My wife was having to deal with the virus that's going around. I can't go home. I had to talk to my wife through the window. I pressed my lips to the glass just to kiss her. I can't hold her. It's like, God, I've preached your gospel all these years. I said, don't give up, son. Hold on to hope. Hold on to hope. Hold on. Persecuted. Things I've stood for and I've been known for for years all of a sudden are being challenged. I've had the distinct privilege of pastoring a church of color for many years where I'm the minority in my church of thousands of people. Now my son's a senior pastor. I'm advising pastor, founding pastor. I travel a lot, do consulting, coaching, and helping churches and pastors and leaders. We were one of the few churches in our area that had was able to blend blend people, groups, and the articles written about us, interviews happened because we were somewhat of an anomaly in our area. Had great black churches, had great white churches, great Hispanic churches. But we were this weird thing sitting on the side of the road there that had people of all color and races. Some 42 nationalities call Seven Springs home. On any given Sunday, you could, you could hear languages from around the world being spoken in little, little groups scattered around the church as they communicated with family members or friends. But yet we were able to lay all that down 
come together and worship Him. We found commonality around the cross. We were able to focus on the kingdom, blend the music so you could hear sounds and, and flavors of many different cultures. And now all of a sudden, I'm not white enough, I'm not black enough, I'm not brown enough. And it's God, I don't know what to do. How do, I, how do I handle this? He said, you be you. You keep doing what I've called you to do. You keep being what I've called you to be. And I'll take care of the rest. I told my son that, and we've talked about it. What an incredible heart my son has. Sometimes it's much bigger than mine. It just amazes me how he loves people and wants to help people. But it all comes from this right here, a perspective. If we don't get our eyes up off of the craziness going on around us, the division, what the news is saying or not saying, and all that stuff, get our eyes back on this book and back on him, we're going to have a hard time making it. And I want to leave you with this. Now get out of the way. Don't you dare give up. I know where you are right now is tough. Well, you're wondering, where's, where's home going to be for us? I feel your pain. I do. I know what it's like to be a nomadic church. We had to do it. But I promise you this. The journey is going to be well worth it. Yep, you've had to make changes, but you were going to have to make them anyway, or you were going to die. You chose to live, and in living, you chose to make some changes and do some things in a way you've not done. Be willing to go where you've not gone. Some of you 10 years ago could have never have imagined that you'd be sitting here today facing what you're facing. But God, God's, got, God's doing something. Listen, out of the chaos and out of the confusion, God transforms. God's transforming you. He's making you into a vessel for this 21st century. How you were was wonderful. It served its time and its purpose. But God said, I have another assignment for you. I have another group of people that you've got to reach. I'm going to have to make some changes so you can go there, do some things in you so you can be for them what they are going to need for you to be. So he's got you in a process right now. Don't you dare give up. Don't you let people slip away and, and, and act. No, you reach out to them. Say, come on. We started this journey together. Let's finish it together. Let's see this thing through. Because I promise you this. God is going to plant you. It is going to be phenomenal. You're going to look back at this journey of the number of last several years you've gone through and where you are right now. And you're going to have kids and grandkids sitting in your church, friends and neighbors sitting in your church, this church, that would have never darkened your doors had you stayed how and where you were. But you laid aside your preference you said, God, I don't know where we're going. I don't even know how we're going to do this. But my eyes are on you. You got a perspective of God. Don't let the enemy rob you of that. Don't let him talk you out of it. Don't let him, don't let him make you become a, a naysayer and negative and judgmental and critical. I can promise you, I know him. Pastor Dallas is doing everything he can to try to get us someplace in a more permanent situation. There's nobody that wants it more than him. He's fighting every day of his life. Dale's working every day. They're, they're working. Your, your team is working hard. But they made up their mind. We're not going to just jump at anything. We're going to go for what God wants. And I promise you, it will be good. Get your perspective. Hope has a perspective. Hope sees through the eyes of faith. Bow your heads for a moment. Father, I thank you for this day. 
bless you for your goodness. Lord, you know where every man, every woman is. You know what every person's facing in this room. God, some of them are going through personal situations right now that, Lord, they've even said perhaps this week, God, if you don't, something doesn't change, I can't keep going. Yet they're here today. They need a word of hope. And I pray that I've spoken to them. Hold on to your faith. Stand for what you believe in the word of God. Not for some man's opinion or for some denominational opinion. opinion, But what God says, what Jesus says. Stand on it. Stand for it. Dare to declare the truth that you know. Let your faith have a voice. Speak to your mountain. Let your faith be released and encouraged. God's got me, and he's going to take care of me. Father, give them heaven's perspective. Give them your perspective. Let them see what you see. Let them have a view that you have. And Father, they'll never give up. If your eyes are closed, your head is bowed, I'm going to ask a simple question. Is there anyone in this room that walked in these doors and you didn't have a faith in Christ, but after hearing this today, you say, you know what, I need that. I need hope. I need faith. I need something to stand on. And his, his name is Jesus, and he loves you regardless of where you're at, what you're doing, or what you've done. You don't have to change one thing to come to him. Just come as you are. He'll take care of all the other stuff. Just come to him. If you're here today and you've never confess Jesus as Savior and Lord, but you say, today I'm ready to make that commitment. Would you raise your hand real quick? Anyone in this room? Amen. Looking around. We're all believers in. Let's all stand together. Last week I made a mistake and I, f I forgot about how we're supposed to do social distance and everything and I did an altar call and I saw some of you look at me like, what in the world's he doing? So I'm, I'm, I'm wiser for it. So I won't call you down to the altar, but I will ask you to raise your hand. And just simply say, I need some hope today. If you do, raise your hand. Don't be embarrassed because I got mine up. I need some hope today. Raise it up high. Amen. I need hope. Would you just lift both hands in the air if you're comfortable doing that? If you're not, just find the posture of prayer that best fits you. But would you just talk to God right now? Go ahead and tell him what you're facing. Tell him what you're going through. Tell him where the struggle is. And ask, just say, Lord, let your words speak to me now. Lord, from, from my sickness, I claim my healing according to your word. From my lack, Lord, I, I claim your provision, that you're a God of more than enough. Lord, for the confusion, I claim the clarity and the integrity of your word. For the family difficulties, I claim your peace. Lord, I bless you. I thank you that whatever we're facing today, we can find the truth in your word that when we speak it and stand on it in faith and declare it uncompromisingly, we are going to see you answer that prayer according to your will and purpose for our life. How you answer it for us is not somebody else's opinion or, 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 their, or their, their decision. Lord, we trust you. We want you to answer our prayer, God, according to what you see and what you know. Because when we get that answer, then we know that solution is right and it lasts, it sustains. I bless you, I worship you, and I praise you. Give the Lord a great hand. The worship team's gonna come and gonna lead us. Come on, let's just love him right quick. Amen.